everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. On today's show, myself and Jordan Angeli dig into some new signings coming into MLS. We move from Cecilio Dominguez, Austin FC's first designated player, to Atlanta United's new long-awaited center back, to new fullbacks in Portland and Los Angeles, and then we also touch on a creative, diminutive attacker up in Vancouver. We have a lot of fun on this show trying to dig into these players and analyze what exactly they're going to bring to their new teams in Major League Soccer. One thing before I let the actual show roll here, if you enjoy MLS Assist or if you enjoy hearing Jordan and I talk soccer, think about leaving us a rating or a review or sharing the show with a friend and helping us grow. Those are all really helpful things for us. They allow us to make the show better and to continue bringing it to you each week. So there's my one little request. If you like the show, tell other people about it. Leave us a review. That's all we can ask. Now, without any further ado, on to the show. All right, Jordan, our first player on today's episode is Cecilio Dominguez, Austin FC's first ever designated player. They signed him in August 2020 as their first DP. They got him from Independiente in Argentina. They loaned him back to Paraguay to play with Rodney Redes, another signing that they'd had before the season actually started in Austin. Jordan, what do we know about Cecilio Dominguez? How does he play? Hit me with the facts. Okay, I'm going to go some true facts. To begin with, before I kind of give a little bit of my I like my facts true. I like uh, my facts true. Yeah, he's he's played. I know it's a good way to start. He's played 288 appearances again in all the clubs that he's played for across Paraguay, Mexico, and Argentina, and he has 73 goals. So it's a good amount of goals. Not yeah. um a super super high, but I would say if you're looking for a good um, front runner, somebody to put the ball in the back of the net, 73 goals is a good place to start. The thing that I liked most when I watched him play, and I, I feel like Joe, when I was digging in a little bit deeper, he can play centrally, but he can also play on the wing. Would you agree that he yeah, I, has I think his best ability spot, to float? I think his, his primary spot is going to be on the wing, but he is versatile in his positioning. That's one thing I yeah. noticed, and it sounds like you saw that too. I did. So I think one of the, the things that I liked, and maybe this is the versatility that I saw, is that he has, does a good job of pulling opposition out of position in order to find the space that he really wants. So he is a right-footed player, so he likes playing on the right side. And if he is on the left, he tends to come in onto his right and utilize his right a little bit more. But what I what I mean by this is he'll draw a player either centrally and then expose the space out wide or just do this little nice little shift movement of his body to pull a player out of position knowing where he wants to occupy the space then would be freed. So I think that his movement off the ball really allows him to utilize his best attributes, which are getting the ball into space. And then eventually, I, I think he's a really good one-on-one player. He wants to yes. size up against a defender and get at them. Yeah, he's tricky. I have that bolded in my notes. He doesn't have elite speed. It doesn't look like that to me. He doesn't yeah. look like he's a top-level athlete in terms of just being able to run right by you, track back, body you off the ball. But he's skillful. He's right-footed, as you mentioned, but he's still pretty good with his left. So he can drive in on his right and then cut it back to the left and drive back that way. Or if he's starting on the right side, he might cut in occasionally on his left foot. He really likes to dribble. He really likes to be isolated against an opposing fullback and go 1v1. So if I'm Austin FC, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe maybe Cecilio Dominguez isn't a player that we completely 
allowed to dominate the ball. Maybe he's not this Pozuelo type in our structure because I don't think that's how Josh Wolf is going to want to play. But if you're Josh Wolf and you're mm-hmm. Austin, maybe you're in a 4-3-3, maybe you're in a 4-2-3-1. You can have players on the right side. If you have Dominguez at left wing, which is where I think he might be, it sounds like, Jordan, you might, you might think he could be on the right or the left. It doesn't really matter. But for the sake of the example, if he's not the left wing, you overload that right side and you have Rodney Redes over there and you, maybe you have Danny Hoosen drift over to that side and you have Ring and Pereira. You have numbers on that side. You overload on the right and then you switch it to Dominguez on the left side so he can go 1v1. So he can isolate against the opposing right back and toast that player. Because that, I think, is the biggest part of his game. He likes to dribble. He likes to shoot maybe too much. He doesn't take always the best shots. But he's a dangerous attacking player in the final third when he has time to go at a player. Yeah, and I would say, too, if you do utilize that isolation-type style, if you're building up through the right side and he is playing on the left, he does have a good spatial awareness to come and meet the ball. And yes. his aerial presence is is I wouldn't say above average, but it's good that he has good timing in the box to meet the ball at the proper time in order to get something on frame. So I would say that's another good way to use him just as a a runner in the box. I think Cecilio Dominguez can produce in Major League Soccer. You mentioned his goals. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to get a better idea of his finishing ability and and maybe his shot selection is a better term there. Because he, he, I mentioned it already, but he really, really likes to shoot. I want to emphasize it. He <laughs> hasn't met a shot he doesn't like. And I think that's going to need to be toned down a little bit to make him more of an efficient attacking player. But I think he has the skills to be a dangerous guy. If you're an opposing right back in MLS, I don't think you want to play against this guy. I really don't. His ability to drive at you and create in the final third is solid. One thing that I'm not sure about and couldn't get a read on from the film is his defensive work. It's hard to say how his clubs in the past have played, how his club in Paraguay has played, how Independiente or Club America, and how, how much they rely him, how much they rely on him, excuse me, to defend on the wing. We don't know how Josh Wolf is going to defend. I'm guessing it's going to be a high press, counter pressing system. I'm wondering, is Dominguez going to be an, an asset? I don't think so, but is he more so going to be a liability? We just don't know yet, but his game and his profile makes me makes me question how he will fit into a defensive structure. And I don't know. I'm just curious. I think that right. I think that's one of the biggest questions I do ask with some of these attacking players that come into MLS because you do see just the ability that they have going forward and you don't see a lot of what they do defensively and so it really can be when you're trying to dig into them it's hard to find a full game on them or a full piece of uh, offensive and defensive work so to get a real feel for what they're going to do defensively or how they're going to contribute to the overall structure of a team is hard to say but if you're Austin FC you're knowing that your shots per game average is probably going to go up. <laughs> it really really is right? going to go up with with Cecilio Dominguez in that squad I'm excited to see him play I'm excited to see Austin play and we'll talk more about this mm-hmm. in our Western Conference preview we're doing Eastern and Western Conference previews over the next two weeks so so keep your ears peeled for that one but I'm excited to see how this team's going to take shape the one thing I'm confident of is if he's healthy, Cecilio Dominguez is going to be a part of that on one of the wings, probably the left wing, and I think he's going to be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move to another team in the Western Conference, LAFC and Kim Moon Hwan. Oh, yeah. Did I say that right? You nailed it, Jordan. I researched that just before we yes. started. Kim Moon Hwan. Coming in from South Korea, he's a South Korean player. He's played some for the national mm-hmm. team. Not not a ton of games with them, but he's brought in by Bob Bradley and the rest of LAFC's front office to be an option at right back. Because last year, LAFC didn't 
didn't really have a full-time right back. Tristan Blackman has been deputizing there, and we've, we've liked a lot of what we've seen from him. But Kim Moon Juan is there to be an option as a de facto right back for Bob Bradley. I like him. Yeah? Tell, me, tell me why. Like, what's, your initial, what's your initial thoughts about him? My initial thought is, is to question, not his game, but to question the level. I'm wondering that with a few of the guys that we're talking about, but specifically with players that don't okay. come from leagues that we're as familiar with. I don't know how the South Korean level and how that league will translate to MLS. So yeah. I like a lot of what I've seen from Kim Moon Hwan, but, but I do have some question marks. But tell me, Jordan, you bring the positivity. Tell me what you like about his game. Well, one of the things I do like is just his consistency of his club team. He played all but 10, started all but 10 appearances in the last four years, which yeah. I think is really good if you're Bob Bradley thinking, okay, well, we at least have somebody who is, has a track record of being fit and prepared to play in the game. He's aggressive, which fits with LAFC very well. He wants to get forward, good vision on the ball. Uh, and one of the things that I noticed when I was watching him play is he has a good feel for when to drive forward and get forward um, with a, a ball as far as like driving down the line, playing the ball through to, say, a Carlos Vela or somebody in front of him, or connecting centrally. I feel like the one thing that really I question about how he's going to fit in with LAFC is he likes to stay wide in everything that I saw. And when we're one of the things that when we're watching LAFC, that outside right back tucks in a lot, goes in, yeah. is almost an additional central midfielder at times. So will he be able to adapt to what Bob Bradley wants of him? He has the ability with the ball at his feet to do that, especially with his passing range. Yes. And so I think he can do that. It's just going to be a little difficult to, to see how that adjustment, or we'll have to wait and see how that adjustment goes to the of course. style of play. Yeah, of course. And that's something I noted as well. The right back and how LAFC used that player in the past has been mm -hmm. keep that player a little deeper, almost as a crossover between a center back and a right back so that you let Carlos Vela isolate out on that right side. I think, and I don't know, but I think Kim Moon Juan can do that because of his mm -hmm. passing range. You just said it, Jordan. He really has, in a couple of clips that I saw, he has the ability to stay a little bit deeper and play kind of a whipped ball in. In almost like Kevin De Bruyne yes. does. This is such an extreme example, early but to cross. give listeners an idea, yeah. early cross. Thank you. Couldn't find the term. Didn't know the term. Thank you. Learned something. I had it he can hit down. that. I was like, he can hit exactly that early cross. Exactly right. Right. So it's bending in and can meet the attacker as the ball is kind of already going towards goal, but it's swerving horizontally as well. He can hit that ball, and I think that's something that LAFC are really going to utilize. But also because. You hit that ball from a deeper area, so you're not congesting the space as much. Yeah, we're going to see him overlap. Yeah, we're going to see him cut the ball back in the box. But I think he is positionally versatile enough to really complement whoever's playing mm -hmm. on the right for LAFC. And if if he does utilize the ability that LAFC has to, to tuck him inside and go forward centrally, but more in that spot, almost like an additional midfielder, yeah. he can shoot from distance with his right foot. And be dangerous from that spot. And I think that that could um, open up more space on the wing for isolations. Or it could allow him then to drag players inside. And that's a space that he can end up breaking through. Or if the space is going to be more on the wing for him. So I, I'm interested to see what Bob Bradley can do to help mold this young player uh, as an outside back with his team.
Yeah, the one other thing, I guess I brought it up with Dominguez as well, but I want to see how Kim Moon Hwan translates defensively and how his 1v1 ability specifically fits in. I don't know how strong of a 1v1 defender he is. I have some questions about that, but either way, we got to wait and see on a lot, on all these guys, really. But mm-hmm. a lot, he mm-hmm. brings a lot offensively. I just want to see how much he has on the other side of the ball. So that's my last word on Kim Moon Hwan. Jordan, let us carry on. Let's stick on the defensive side of things. Let's just flip over to the left side of the defense. We talked about a right back. Now we're talking about a left back. Claudio Bravo, the new signing that the Portland Timbers have at left back. He's one of two new fullbacks on Portland's roster, along with Jose Carlos Van Rankin. Now that they're without Marco Farfan and Jorge Villafaña, who have both moved to L.A., one to LAFC and Farfan and one to the Galaxy with Jorge Villafaña. I really liked what I saw from Claudio Bravo. I don't know what you thought of him. We haven't talked about any of these guys. We're coming in blind. He's 24. He's from Argentina. They signed him from Banfield in Argentina's first division. I thought he looked really good. What what did you see, Jordan? I agree. The thing that struck me right away that I was like, this is why Portland likes him. He likes to transition, but he likes to transition on the dribble. So pick a ball up off and then dribble upfield right away. And when you're thinking about the way that Portland likes to play, well, it's in those quick transition moments. And if you have somebody who can eat up space on the dribble in in those moments, being comfortable on the ball, it allows other runs to develop around them, which is something that Portland tries to utilize with Diego Valeri or um, even Jimmy Chara, the, these players, and, and hopefully Sebastian Blanco if, when, he, when he's back. These are the players who want that transition moment so badly. And I think that he, I think that Claudio Bravo can provide that in those defensive to offensive transition moments. I think Bravo brings a lot of quality on the ball, which is going to be useful for the Timbers when they do decide to possess. I think their their possession percentage will skyrocket when Blanco is back and healthy because he can put his foot on the ball and he can create things. But man, when the Timbers are going all in in transition, which is what they've done a lot in the past under Gio Savarese, Bravo can bring... Bring some juice. He's fast. He's quick. He can get forward either in central channels. Sam Vines does this for the Rapids where he'll dribble still with his left foot from left back, but he'll tuck inside and almost dribble up that left seam and go forward and provide another number in midfield. Bravo can do that as well. Maybe Jimmy Charles wanting to stay wide if he's playing on the left or whoever that left-sided attacker is. Bravo can bring some balance on the left, but then he also brings quality on the ball in the final third. He's got skill to play passes even with his weak foot with his right foot in play after he's tucked inside to play kind of a ball into the box towards another left-sided player or he can bend a ball in with his Mm -hmm. left or he can cut the ball back once he's in the box I think he brings a lot of quality and and a lot of speed both of which are assets that the Timbers are really gonna like the thing that I question when I'm, I'm watching him play and I'm looking at the way that he exploits space and gets forward he only had four assists at Banfield which surprised me And I think that a player with that type of ability on the ball, ability to want to transition and get forward at the outside back spot, I just would have expected more contributions as far as assists go. And I don't know if you were feeling the same thing or or maybe that's just an area of his game where he he likes to tuck inside. So maybe he's not getting that final ball. He's getting the pass before the pass. So maybe he'll get some MLS assists along <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, that, that number will go up just because of Major League Soccer's rules. I do think, though, Jordan, <laughs> assists are just such a, a difficult stat to go by. Because, you know, I mm-hmm. I was going to say I play you a beautiful ball in the box. But let's flip it around because you're more likely to do that 
than I am. <laughs> if you tee the ball up on a silver platter for me in front of goal, and I just whiff, or I just boot it up and, and completely miss the frame, right? That's not your fault. That's my fault. But yeah. you miss out on an assist because I messed up. That happens so much in soccer and on a much less extreme level because they're professional players. But, I mean, Claudio Bravo can serve up a beautiful ball to a teammate with Banfield and they cannot do anything with it. They can make a bad decision. They can ruin the attacking moment. And he's not going to get credit for that. So I am curious to get a closer look at him in Major League Soccer and see, does he end up playing the pass before the pass more more than he plays the key pass? But... It just makes me, I guess I'm not concerned about his ability to play the ball yeah. from that assist number, if that makes sense. It's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's been a lot of conversation, at least conversations that I've heard about the Timbers being a contender this year. And I can't say I disagree with some of the moves they've made this offseason. They've strengthened both fullback spots, as I mentioned already. They bring in a guy like Bravo, who has a good pedigree playing in Argentina. He's 24, so he's still young, coming into his prime. He looks like a strong player. It, once Sebastian Blanco gets healthy again, and they have him and Diego Valeri, and they still have a Bobasi, who I think is one of the better number nines in MLS, even if Savarese doesn't seem as a full-time nine. This squad, to me, and I guess I'm crossing into Western Conference preview territory here, but this squad, to me, looks like it could do some real damage in Major League Soccer this year. Well, I, I, I mean, I think... We're going to have to just tease people with that and, and <laughs> let them come back when we talk about the Western Conference. But I like that. I, I think I don't think you're far off. Boom. We'll leave that little tease out there before we do our very specific predictions over the next couple of weeks. Jordan, I want to take us in, in the Cascadia region still, but a little further north to the Vancouver Whitecaps, who've also done some shopping this offseason. They brought in a number of different players. They have Bruno Gaspar as a right back. They also brought in Alexandre as kind of a number eight from Brazil. And then they brought in a full-on attacking player in Daibar Caicedo, who's come in from Colombia. He's 21 years old. He's played at U17 and U20 World Cups with Colombia. And they actually got him from Deportivo Cali in that Colombian first division. He's fun, man. He's short. He's fun. He goes out there and he tries to beat you on the dribble. This is a guy who I think is going to, if not produce, and I think he can produce, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to love watching him because of how fun of a player he is. Yeah, he's only 5'6", so when you when you say he's short, he is one of the, the shorter players in Major League Soccer. He's shifty, and I, I think that his agility um, and his shiftiness on the ball is one of his strengths, but also because players are so aware of that, I think that he does a good job of being able to show something different. And one of the things that I thought one of his best qualities is just drawing defenders in, but then stretching him behind and yeah. trying to dish off the ball and then be that outlet player that they can play in behind the back line. And he does a really good job at that uh, as well. I- I'm just curious with this, with this player, how does he fit in? Do you think with Vancouver and, yeah. and will that be enough? Yeah, that's a great question because we still, after the Mark Dos, ex- Mark Dos Santos experience has been going on for a while, we still don't really know how he wants that team to look. My guess, and it, it seems like a safe bet, is that they're going to come out in a 4-2-3-1 in most games this year. They've done that before, They but they played a lot of shapes last year. The 4-2-3-1 with the personnel that they have, they bring in a number eight, they bring in a right back, they have Ali Adnan and, and Gutierrez as a left back. So they have, they have positions and they have the personnel to kind of be effective in that shape. The one guy they're missing, though, is the player they've been searching for the hardest this year. It's a number 10. They still have not signed a number 10 this offseason season. 
My guess is that they're, they've kind of scrapped their plan to get one before the season. And now they're going out and looking for one in May or in June when the European season is over and they might have better success getting one of those guys. I think though, Jordan, in that 4-2-3-1, if we bank on that, that, that being the shape that they play, Divar Castedo can be sort of a stopgap in terms of his ability to produce in the absence of a number 10. I'm not saying that he's going to play as a 10. I don't think that fits him very well at all. But he could be a guy who goes out and plays on the left wing, cuts inside onto his right foot, then cuts it back onto his left foot, gives opposing right backs headaches, Mm -hmm. similar to Cecilio Dominguez in that way, but just faster. He could go out there on the left side and make things happen, create, rack up some goals and assists, create some chances, and make the the pain for the Whitecaps of not having a top-tier number 10 uh, not feel quite so painful until May or June actually gets here. Yeah. Yeah. I do think Caicedo is a player when, when you're talking about that type of system and formation, he's not going to be a linking player. He's going to get the ball and he's going to no. try to go at the back line. He's going to yes, go yeah. at the players that are in front of him. And, uh, in some regard, in, in what I saw in a, in a pretty selfish way, like he wants to get a shot on goal yes. uh, or get to a place that is beneficial to him. And I think that if that can be, beneficial to the team type of place, I think Caicedo can be really um, beneficial to what the the Whitecaps want to do because they do, um, you know, even when we saw them play, they they can get numbers for it. It's just the the decision-making in the final third isn't always the best. And so Caicedo being willing to take players on and and not only produce for himself, but for his teammates, I, I think that there is potential there. And it's possible that the Whitecaps come into this year and they say, okay, we're going to, we're going to keep the ball. We're going to hold the ball. We're going to break you down with the ball. That doesn't strike me as being especially likely. I, I would bet that in that 4-2-3-1, yeah. they're going to play more on the break. They're going to play more in offensive transition. Caicedo to me is mm-hmm. a perfect player for that setup. He's fast. Right, he's quick. Exactly. He's got that low center of gravity. He's hard to stop when he's going. His momentum, when he, when he's up to speed, because he's so, so small and so shifty, he's really hard to stop. He's kind of got that Michael Barrios-ness to him, just I think I was, with a much higher that's upside. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there's that like similarity. Both Michael smaller. Barrios. Yeah. Younger, you know, more skilled, I would say. Michael Barrios, a little bit less direct, uh-huh. but still very much a downhill kind of guy. That idea yeah. of, the, of the Whitecaps playing in transition, I think that suits Caicedo because he's not a high-volume passer. He's not a super creative player. He's not like, he's not like, not even really a connector. You kind of brought that up already, Jordan. But he likes to dribble. He likes to go fast. And if he's playing fast on the mm-hmm. left side for Vancouver, I think that's going to suit his game pretty well this year. Am I, am I off on that or are you with me? Nope. I'm, I'm with you on that. Boom. So there's a little primer on Diver Caicedo. We'll learn more about all of these guys. Yeah in just a couple weeks as the season actually gets going here. But he's a player that I think once he does settle into the, into the environment in Vancouver, and if he's given opportunities by Mark Dos Santos, could really influence that team in a positive way in 2021. And that's, that's what Vancouver needs right now. And so I think this is a yeah, good move absolutely. on their part. So, yeah. okay, Jordan, we have one player remaining on today's show. One more. It is a man by one the name more. of Alan Franco. We kind of cheated on this one, because the move is not across the line yet, but it's as close to official as it can possibly be. Atlanta United have been looking for a center back for, I'm checking my notes, 18, 18 years now. Oh, 18 decades. Crap. I, I misspelled <laughs> that. They've been looking for a center back for a long time, right? Gabriel Heinze told media over the weekend that Alan Franco has been signed after multiple other deals have fallen through for a number of different reasons. This move is happening. Alan Franco is coming to Atlanta United from Independiente. Heinze knows him. Heinze has played against him. He's coached against him. 
We don't know when Franco is going to get to Atlanta and be able to start familiarizing himself with the environment and the group. But the move is happening and he is going to be an Atlanta United player this season as far as we can tell. Yeah, and he, um, I'm just going to dig into it. So with please at Independiente, he played 83 games. He is a right-footed, right center back. He covers ground really well, I think. And maybe, Joe, you had to save center back for last because they are your favorite <laughs> you player that, on huh? the field. Um, I'm really, I was really impressed with his 1v1 defending in in the regards that he can close space well. So if the ball gets in behind and he has to close a defender on the run, he can close the space well, but then he can slow his center of gravity down and get to a place where he makes the attacker have to make a move, a decision. And what happens ne- next is he uses his body well in defending. So when he's 1v1 defending, it's not always like he's just uh, getting a toe poke on it or sliding to get the ball. He's usually getting between the ball and, de- and the attacking player and scooping the ball up and connecting. And I think that that is one of the things that really stood out to me is the way that he defends in those 1v1 situations. Yeah, he's fast, he's strong, and he accelerates quickly. He's kind of built... He, he's skinnier than this, but he's kind of built like a tank. Like, he's built in a really athletic way. Yeah. He gets out and he can cover ground behind the back line. He can do a lot of the defensive things that you just detailed. I have in my notes, he's a capable, if not flawless, 1v1 defender. He can be caught flat-footed at times, but he's a he's mm-hmm. a solid option in the back. I think, and in, in, I've been thinking... Franco's brought in to partner Miles Robinson, right? I mean, they have other center backs on the roster. They have George Campbell. They have Anton Walks. They have other guys. But Fernando Meza is out on loan. Franco Escobar's out on loan. They don't really seem to have a big future under Heinze at all. So there are guys in this squad. They just Atlanta just brought in Alex De, Alex Dejon. Alex Dejon. I'm not really sure what the pronunciation is there. But they brought him in from Orlando as a depth piece. Franco's here to be a starter if he's up for it. And yeah. defensively, I think he and Miles Robinson have the ability to be a tough pair to play against because they're both athletic. They're both quick. They both have pretty good straight line speed. They're not flawless in their 1v1 defensive ability. As I said with Franco, that same thing goes for Robinson as well. But that's not a center back pairing that you love to play against if you're an opposing attacker. Yeah, I I agree because I think that they... If you're talking about Franco and maybe he gets flat, caught flat-footed, well, you have Miles Robinson there to cover the ground and behind yeah. and have the recovery pace that he has. Uh, the one thing that I question is, um, and I didn't get a really good taste of this when I was watching film on Franco, is is he going to be able to be a ball-carrying center back, a, a possession-oriented player, the yeah. ball at his feet, playing out of the, the back? And I don't know if you feel a certain way about that. I also have questions Does about that. Does he need that. to That's- be that? That's And that's another question entirely. We don't know how Heinz is going to structure this team. We just don't. My guess mm-hmm. is that it's going to be a back four. And so maybe those center backs are, are relied on occasionally to drive the ball forward, which I think Franco can do. Just he wasn't asked to do it a ton with Independiente. But maybe it's more on the midfield and on the, you know, the fullbacks who advance the ball up the side. I mean, we don't know what the team's going to look like, but I have the same question mark that you do just because, again, with Independiente in Argentina, he wasn't this ball dominant center back. He wasn't driving forward all the time. He wasn't breaking lines with his right foot a lot. He played some on the right side of a pairing. He played some in the middle of a back three. But in both of those roles from the footage that I watched, he wasn't breaking lines left and right. He wasn't, you know, contributing to the attack in, in a super meaningful way. And I don't know if Heinz is going to change that, if we're going to see him do a lot more of that, or if he is just limited in his offensive ability. And I, I think that's one of the questions that we're excited to see. There's not only all these new players in Major League Soccer, but new coaches as well and new 
tactics and formations and systems that are going to be in place. So it'll be interesting to see how Franco fits in and how Heinze plays his team. So it's just, yeah. I guess we have to wait a couple more weeks to see all these things. <laughs> and there is there is one teaser that I'll give, not on the offensive side, but on the defensive okay. side with Heinze's past teams. So with Valais Sarsfield in Argentina, which is the last job that Gabriel Heinze had, he used a mix of man marking and zonal marking. And I, I talked about that on the show we did talking about the new coaches. Go back and listen to that. If you haven't, just scroll down a tiny bit. You'll find it. It's really easy. Um, you know, <laughs> with, with Valais Sarsfield in Argentina, he used that hybrid defensive system. So imagine, Jordan, imagine you're watching Almeida's earthquakes, right? Or Marcelo mm-hmm. Bielsa's Leeds United team. It's not quite that aggressive. It's not full on man marking. We're not going to see wingers back defending as fullbacks and vice versa. I mean, we're not going to see that in Atlanta, at least as far as I can tell, but it's not, it's not, not that. It's not not man marking at times. There is still, <laughs> you know, a very man oriented piece of it. So if an opposing player comes into one of the defensive player zones, let's just say it's Alan Franco. That player, mm-hmm. if he was playing with Valais Sarsfield, and I expect with Atlanta, will be responsible for stepping up, leaving his spot and then tracking that player for at least a few seconds. That happens all across the back line. So I I think there's a lot of value in that. You keep pressure on the ball. You make yourselves really hard to play against and really frustrating and annoying to play against. But you also leave gaps behind you. You leave space in dangerous areas that can be exploited. And your margin for error when you're man marking in those split seconds is really, really small. So my question Mm -hmm. for Alan Franco, more even more than his offensive ability, and really my question for Atlanta, how do they adapt to that system? Can they do it? I think it's going to look really bad at times, just like it did with the Quakes early on and kind of still does. But is Franco a guy that can really contribute in that system? I think he can, based off of his athletic profile. But something to watch for him, for Miles Robinson, for George Bellow, for Brooks Lennon, all of the players across that back line, how do they adapt in this man-slash-zone defensive system? I like that breakdown. It's really good. And I I like how the best way to describe it is it's not, not that. <laughs> there's really no other way to say it, though. <laughs> I'm sure there's a better way. That's just the best I can do. No. No, it's good. It's not not that. <laughs> yeah, I, I try. I try, Jordan. I try. Uh, I'm excited, though. Good. Like genuinely, really every good. single week as the season gets closer and we're closer to meaningful, consistent MLS games. We were talking before we started recording. CCL is coming up really soon. You're going to be calling some of those games. Then you're going to be calling crew games, and I'm going to be watching and, and doing some writing as well this season. There are things happening yeah. for us as individuals, which we're excited about selfishly, but also we're just excited to have soccer back, to be watching games, for listeners, for you guys to be watching games. It can't come mm-hmm. soon enough for me, Jordan. It really can't. It's time, right? It's time. It's time. It's time. Speaking of time, it's time It's time for us to get out of here, Jordan. We've talked long enough. Okay. We've talked about these guys in as much detail as I think anybody could could really be looking for. I appreciate you joining me as always. It is always a blast to talk soccer with you, Jordan. Yeah, that was so fun. We did some players and now on to teams and very specific predictions. predictions. Yeah, bring Is on that, the very specific yeah, predictions. That's what we call it. You had it. Be confident, Jordan. You had it. <laughs> Listeners, thank you all very much very for listening. Very specific predictions. <laughs> and we'll be back again next week with very specific predictions. We'll see you.